0: On the 30th of April, I sustained a serious injury when I chopped my thumb, index finger and middle finger clean off. After a helicopter ride to St George's in London and a 17-hour surgery and some amazing care provided by my NHS colleagues, thankfully my hand is now back on and I'm on the long road to recovery. I can never say thank you enough to all my amazing NHS colleagues from the paramedics who attended first and saved my life, to the critical care paramedics and HEMS team that flew me to St. George's in London, the amazing team in A&E at St. George's, the incredible anesthetists and their team who looked after me during the 17-hour procedure where my amazing surgeons rebuilt my hand and incredibly reinstalled my fingers so all the team in recovery as well and the amazing team on gunning ward at st george's i can never thank you enough for doing that although i have tried but during my time in hospital it was great to meet some podcast listeners and to know that this podcast helps so many of you that help so many patients like me and do amazing work helping patients like me was really humbling but i was asked by some doctors who were new to the medics money podcast when i was in hospital what is the best episode to start with so today i thought that in combination with my co-host dr Cantello, we could do a mega episode where we outline our most useful resources so that we can help as many of you amazing healthcare professionals as possible and just so that you can know just where to get started okay so if you're a new listener and there are loads of you now over fifty thousand a month of you are listening to this is just going to help you to know where to get started what episodes or resources to listen to the medics money podcast helps doctors dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions hosted by myself dr tommy perkins a gp
1: and by me dr ed cantileau a gp but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor
0: this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So, I mean, I always say that it's good to be back on the podcast with you and it genuinely always is, but it's especially good to be back this time, eh?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's really good to have you back and uh, yeah, good to see you again in the flesh and uh, see you're, you're doing well. Yep, yeah, Elevation.
0: Got it under there, so it's all goes my surgeon. will be happy to see the dedication to elevation that's <laughs> yeah, going I think on. If he's watching this, it's a uh, good tick, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's always good to record a podcast with you, but it feels especially good after what I've been through in the last month. And I think, you know, I think we make great business partners, we've proven that over the last few years, definitely. But I think as well, like, I've had some amazing friends visit me in hospital, but that day that you came. I kind of realized that we're a bit more the business partners as well, mate. So I really yeah. appreciate that. It was amazing to have you there. And I definitely think like we're really good friends and business partners. So yeah. that was probably one of the worst days of my life physically and mentally when you came. So I really appreciate you coming,
1: mate. Yeah, yeah, not at all, not at all. And yeah, it, it was, you know, great to see you you're doing well. But yeah, of course, it was a bit of a dark day because it was only a few days after you did it. And uh, yeah, I can imagine it was some quite distressing also, I just want to add to what Tommy said, you know, because I only witnessed the people on Gunning Ward, but they are all absolutely amazing. The care was phenomenal. So, yeah, thank you to everyone that's helped Tommy out. It's been brilliant.
0: It's incredible to see the NHS team in action. Like, absolutely. I'm just so humbled by the care that I received. and I, I can never say thank you enough, but anything I can do to help those of you that are out there helping patients like me. So, I think we should just get straight into this, because yeah, this is going to be big. I think it's going to be two episodes, but the idea is... At the end of this, you will have a plan and some action points that you can work on. And normally in our podcast, we go quite deep into the explanation. Today, we're going high level, like a more strategic kind of where to start improving your financial health. And we're going to be signposting to the resources that allow you to go deep if that's what you need to do, basically. So shall I get us cracking with tip one? Good we have not denied about this, didn't we? Because, I mean... And tip one is calculate your net worth, okay? So for those of you not aware, net worth is basically a way to track how wealthy you are, really. And I'm gonna explain why I think this is important, but there's several reasons. So net worth is a useful metric to track your progress. And if you calculate it, it will force you in the act of calculating it to assess your current financial position as it is now, okay? Because your net worth is basically all of your assets, so, any investments that you have, any, you know, equity in properties that you have, any cash that you hold. Okay, so that's all your assets. Got any other asset classes? I miss a ton, but you get
1: that. Uh, yeah, that's the main ones, you know, yep. obviously ISAs and LISAs, but yep. they're assets and cash, et cetera.
0: Yep. So all your assets, take away your total liabilities, okay? So liabilities basically would mean debts, okay? So that could be like credit cards, finance, car finance, the outstanding balance on your mortgage, if you have one, et cetera okay so assets minus liabilities is your net worth okay and so just by working that out it will force you to get a little health check on okay what have i got and if your net worth is a negative number which you know ours my net worth was negative for absolutely ages do not panic okay both me and ed started off with a significant negative net worth thanks to years spent training as a doctor okay so if it's negative do not panic it will get better okay so in a recent youtube video and i'll put the link below i explained a bit more detail on some other financial metrics that you could also include okay to track so net worth is the main one okay i also track savings rate which is basically the proportion of your income that goes into savings another one is debt to income ratio okay so i talked about that in a recent youtube video so if you want to go deeper on this check out the link in the show notes and there's a few reasons why i also like Net worth, especially maybe I'm slightly biased, but when my net worth was massively negative, you know, repaying debt is, and I'm going to talk about that in a bit, but it's a bit depressing, you know, instead of doing something fun with the money, you're paying off debt and it can feel like you're not getting anything for your money. But if you track your net worth, every pound of debt you repay increases your net worth by one pound, okay, because you're not increasing your assets, but you're decreasing your liabilities. So every one pound of debt you repay, you are getting richer. So if like me and Ed, you had a ton of debt or you have a ton of debt, don't worry. And that's why I like net worth because it kind of makes you feel like you're doing something. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's a great measurement to measure to track absolutely to see how things are progressing.
0: Yeah. And I kind of track mine, you know, back in the day, probably tracked it maybe quarterly. These days, being honest, I just do an annual financial review and track it there. And that's, you know, my net worth isn't quite as precarious as it once was, which is good. So yeah, I think don't go overboard on it. Like don't do it day to day, but at least once a quarter, sit down, track it, see what's going well, see what's not going well. And I just love it. Like you've got to have a target and a plan and just calculating your net worth is a great place to start. I referenced a recent YouTube video that I did and someone asked me on Instagram about, do I include my student loan in my net worth? This is an awesome question, which we were just talking about before we came on because if you don't know about student loans, there's five different types now. Most of you listening to this, who started university after 2012, will be on what's called a plan two student loan. Me and Ed are on a plan one student loan because we are old. So there's a massive difference between plan one and plan two student loan, and we're doing more content on this really soon, so don't worry. But the key thing is, I think that type two student loan functions more like a graduate tax than a loan. And it's not great graduate tax, it's 9% of your earnings over £27,295, okay? So a Plan 2 student loan is effectively a graduate tax and therefore I would not include it in my net worth calculations because it's just gonna skew it and it's much better to think of it as a graduate tax, unfortunately. Plan 1 student loan, totally different of fish. I did include that in my net worth and I paid it down. And, and this is where we say like the generational difference between then and now and all the pay disputes that are going on, you know, me and Ed had a Plan 1 student loan, great debt, paid mine down, even though it's massive. If I had a Plan T student loan, I would never repay it. And it would just function as a graduate tax of 9% of my earnings over 27,295 pounds, which is a lot of money. So tip one, calculate net worth. Net worth, total assets, minus total liabilities. More information on that in the YouTube video and also in our ebook, which is at medicsmoneycouk forward slash ebook. And tip two is you, mate.
1: Yeah, so tip two is to make sure that you pay the right amount of tax. So one way to decrease your total liabilities and increase your net worth, as Thomas just talked about, is to make sure that you're paying the correct amount of tax. And you've probably seen in the news recently that the UK currently has the highest tax burden since the Second World War. More and more people are being pushed into higher tax brackets by the government's freezing of the income tax thresholds, which has gone on record actually as the single biggest revenue raiser in 44 years since they pretty much doubled VAT in the late 1970s. Paying the right amount of tax can be as simple as keeping an eye on your tax codes and claiming tax rebates on all your professional expenses or as complicated as setting up a limited company if you have a private practice or investing in such things as venture capital trusts. As we've seen, you know, previously, you know, doing nothing about your tax will likely result in you significantly overpaying your tax. So it's always a good idea to keep on top of these things and check what you're paying and make sure you're comfortable what's happening there. Okay, we'd also recommend you perform the basic annual checks on your NHS pension, to avoid incurring any punitive tax charges, and I think we're going to talk about the pension in its own right in a future tip. I think in the second podcast, if we oh, make yeah. this into two, Tommy's so all prepared to talk to you about that. You know, going back to you know the people that say to us, "Well, if I'm new to making money, you know, where enough do I start?" Well, if you want to know where to start with the basics for the tax side of things, I'd recommend you check out our blog. So we've got one blog called "What Can Doctors Claim Tax Back On," and another called "Is Your Doctor's Tax Code Correct," and they're both. Uh, really you know, important things to know about. Okay, So I would start there in terms of blogs. We've also got some tax planning podcasts, episodes 154 and 155, which should prove useful to all doctors, especially in light of all the many tax changes that have been taking place recently. So the key thing is, make sure you're paying the right amount of tax. As I say, as Tommy said, we're going for this sort of high level, but there's a wealth of information in our podcasts and our blogs. So check them out and make sure you're not overpaying your tax bill.
0: Yeah, and I think you're going to have another more advanced tax tip
1: later on. Yeah, let's see, we can talk more about tax later, so uh, don't worry, you'll get some more in a bit.
0: Yeah, but at the very minimum, as I say, do that. There's so much you can do, and as Ed said, the default position, if you do nothing, most likely you will overpay. Unfortunately, HMRC is not going to phone you up and say, hi, Dr. Cantelo, I can tell you've just taken a really expensive postgraduate exam, and I'm going to automatically give you a tax rebate based on that. It's just not going to happen. You have to do it yourself. You have to learn to negotiate your tax code so that you don't pay too much. Tip three is me for obvious reasons, which is something that I've been banging on about for absolutely ages and over 10,000 doctors now have used medics money to find a specialist with their finances and some of those doctors will have got out insurance which just makes me feel so happy because tip three is protect your most valuable asset okay so what is your most valuable asset your house your car your pension no you are your most valuable asset okay and as soon as possible you have to insure yourself against disaster like i said i've been banging on about this for some time back in the day i didn't have any insurance because i could thought i couldn't afford it i thought i didn't need it because i felt invincible when i was young and i was also a bit confused about where to go to get the best deal okay so i'm going to clarify all of that in this tip 3 but before you even think about insurances i think we should talk about ed's favorite topic and his favorite podcast that he's ever been on with me where he barely maintained consciousness, because the first step of protecting yourself against disaster, okay, like chopping your hand off, for example, is to build what's called an emergency fund, okay, an emergency fund is an amount of money, sometimes, you know, six months of your outgoings, not your salary, but your outgoings, and just save that in an account where it is easily accessible, okay? So maybe in a current account, I guess you could store it in premium bonds, but my point is it needs to be liquid, okay? It can't be invested. It can't be invested in a house, or it can't be in Bitcoin, it needs to be liquid. And the idea of this is that if anything happens to you and you can't pay your bills, you've got this three to six month fund, emergency fund, where you can then cover your bills and you can just focus on getting better and you don't need to worry about money, okay? So such a simple thing. I just can't think of why anyone wouldn't need an emergency fund. Sometimes people say, well, I could just use my credit card if I get ill. But using a high interest, bad debt, like a credit card, when your earning capacity decreases, it just makes no sense, it's a recipe for disaster, okay? So thankfully, I took my own advice, I've got an emergency fund. But if you don't, listen to Ed's favorite episode of the podcast, which is episode 90. I think it's called Even Doctors Need an Emergency Fund. Okay, so that is something that everybody can do. You do not need a financial advisor to do that, okay? But the next step is thinking about if the worst happens, you know, could you pay your bills if you couldn't work? Okay. And if you can't, then you need to think about insurance. Okay. And broadly, there's three things that you can insure yourself against. So there's something called income protection, which means that if you lose your income for whatever reason, this insurance will pay you a set amount until you can get back your income. Okay. So it's designed to replace your income and it's called income protection. And Thankfully, I have a great income protection policy in place, which unfortunately I've been forced to use, okay? Second thing, critical illness. Basically, this will pay out a lump sum, usually a lump sum, if you get one of a predefined list of critical illnesses, okay, so if you get, you know, something awful, then it will pay out a lump sum typically, just to try to mean that you don't have to worry about your finances. Third thing, which at one point, um, I shouldn't can we joke about it, but at one point I thought I might need this. Again, I do have it. Life insurance. So life insurance is designed to protect against premature death. Okay, so if you were to die early, you will pay out an amount which can help your dependents, like my children and my wife, my family, to live. Okay, so that's what they all do. Now, what you need depends on your individual circumstances, and mine and Ed's individual circumstances are very different, and so our protection policies look very different, and we've talked about that at length in the past. So if you want more information about this, you can Google income protection doctors, okay? When you Google that, you'll get about five adverts for people that are trying to flog you policies, and then the top organic hit will be Medic's Money's article, which just explains this in more detail. So scroll past the adverts, ignore those, and head to our page, okay? If you're a podcast fan, which I think it's reasonable to assume that you are if you're listening to this, episode 113, Do Doctors Need Life Insurance? It also covers income protection, critical illness. It's a great run through of everything that you need to know, okay? And in that, we also cover the thorny issue of where is the best place for doctors to buy these policies, okay, because you need to only really know three things to get the right advice for the right price. And that is your advisor really needs to be independent. So there's two types of financial advisors. There's restricted financial advisors that can sell you a policy from a restricted number of policies on the market, okay? So restricted, as it says, they've only got a restricted amount of policies that they can sell you. So if your criteria match one of their policies, great. But if it doesn't, not great, okay? In contrast, there's independent financial advisors, and an independent financial advisor, as the name suggests, can sell you a policy from the entire market. So you're much more likely to get a much better deal. And this is actually one of the bedrocks of why we built Medics Money, because there's lots of advisors who specialize in inverted commas in doctors, but we realized that lots of these were restricted and our colleagues were not getting the best deal. So we built Medics Money. We've got all the best independent financial advisors that specialize in doctors in one place. We've matched your criteria to the best advisor for you. And over 10,000 doctors have done that now, which is awesome. So that's really important. And I kind of alluded to the other things you need. The advisor needs to be specialist in doctors, okay? Our pay slips, the way our salaries work, everything is so complicated. So you just need an advisor that specializes in doctors, okay? So avoid the salespeople that are advertising on Google and masquerading as financial advisors. And instead, just use medics money to find an independent financial advisor specialising in doctors to get the right policy for the right price. And if you're not sure what you need, or you don't know, you don't think you need anything, have a look in our ebook, and just contact one of our advisors, because they will just give you the right advice for the right price, okay? So, yeah, income protection, protecting your assets is incredibly important. But I mean, I don't want to labor my situation too much, but just to know, you know, that I didn't have to worry about the finances. It's just, I can focus on getting recovered. You don't have to worry about my family's finances or anything. And that's purely because I got the right insurances and protections in place. So when I was young, I thought not, I would never get ill and nothing bad would ever happen to me. Luckily, I realized that wasn't true. And in the last month I've definitely realized that unfortunately,
1: insurances are necessary.
0: Anything to add, mate, on protect your most valuable asset?
1: No, I think that that's really key. I have to, you know, I have to say, like, I stupidly got my income protection sorted out quite late in my life. It was only, wasn't was that many years ago that I actually got it sorted. So I'm just, like I said, I'm glad I've got that done. And yeah, like Tommy, kind of assumed I'd everyone would be fine wouldn't need it. And so far, I haven't. But yeah, you just never know what's around the corner. So definitely think about getting that in place.
0: Yeah. And the other thing to say is, if you got your insurance, you know, ages ago, maybe when you left medical school and you're now... A consultant or GP or a senior doctor 20 years later and you haven't adjusted your policy in any way you need to okay because as your life evolves your expenses evolve your family responsibilities evolve so do your protection needs so if you haven't looked at your protection policies for years and you got it out at med school please just have a look at them and just ask one of our independent financial advisors just go to the medicsmoney website find a financial advisor they will review it all for you they've done it for over ten thousand dollars now. And I think, yeah, lots of things make me feel happy about what we do at Medics Money. But just to know that our doctors wandering around out there right now, who didn't have any protection, who have it in place, I just feel really good about that. And we know that they got it from an independent financial advisor that has been verified by us. I think that's enough on protection. I might be doing a few more episodes on it recently. <laughs> <In> the... <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, you've got some, a bit of time on your hands at the moment, so uh, time on my where hand. Will you heal? Time on your hand. yeah. Don't say hands. Time on your right hand. <laughs>
0: Okay, tip four, spend less than you earn. Okay, so if I had to like choose one tip to say, like of all the tips, it would probably be protection, but before last month, and this happened, it would probably be spend less than you earn, okay? It sounds incredibly simple, spend less than you earn, but unless you do spend less than you earn, you're gonna get in debt, okay? So, and it doesn't really matter whether you're earning 20,000 pounds a year or 100,000 pounds a year, if you do not spend less than you earn, even if you're earning 100,000 pounds a year, you're gonna be in trouble, okay? So, the ebook talked about this a lot, about the 139,000 pounds on lunch. You can download the ebook at medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook, I think it's chapter three or four. So, it's just really important. So, how do you go about spending less than you earn? Well, the first step is to find out how much you spend, okay? so. Sit down with your last month's bank account okay, and have a look at your spending. And just have a look at what you're spending your money on. Because I want you to spend money, but I want you to spend money consciously. And by that, I mean on things that you like and things that bring you happiness and not on things that don't. Okay, So spend your money consciously. And I bet, and just in the course of sitting down and analyzing your bank statement, you will find a few things on there where you think, oh, I don't need that. Okay. So that's the first step. The second step is to try to set a budget and stick to it. Okay, so much more detail on this in the ebook. I'm not gonna go through it now, but spend less than you earn and pay yourself first. Two absolutely key concepts on the ebook. I'll have a look at that. And often some people say, well, you know, I could just earn more. So should you earn more or spend less? And unfortunately, in general, it's always better to spend less. And that's because If you spend less and you save one pound of post-tax income, okay, that is one pound directly in your pocket or one pound directly towards your net worth, okay? A bit later in the second part of this episode, Ed is going to talk to you about how earning one pound extra might result in much less in your pocket than you would expect because of this concept of marginal tax raise. So that's coming up.
1: That's it, yeah. Next episode.
0: Yeah, definitely. Cool. You're going to get going in a minute, mate. I promise you.
1: Man, i keep going. You know, I'm enjoying having you here and listen to your dulcet <laughs> tones. So I keep going.
0: Okay. Tip five is understand your debts. Okay. So it's very likely that you've all got debts listening to this, unfortunately, because medical school is incredibly expensive and life is expensive. So what you need to do is understand the difference between good debt and bad debt. Okay. So bad debt it includes high interest rate debts like credit cards that are generally used to buy things which depreciate in value like clothes and things like that, okay? It's bad debt, it's expensive because the interest rate is high and it's being used to buy something which is not gonna increase your net worth, it's just gonna decrease your net worth by depreciating, okay? In contrast, good debt is low interest rate debt that has historically been used to buy things that have historically appreciated, such as your house, for example. So a mortgage is one example of good debt, okay? So bad debt is hindering your ability to build wealth and it needs to be paid down as quickly as possible. And in my opinion, you shouldn't be doing investing or any of the other things we're gonna talk about in the second part before you pay down your bad debt. It is a very high priority, okay? In contrast, good debt, low interest rate debt that's used to buy something that appreciates, like your mortgage, If you use that correctly, that could significantly enhance your wealth. Okay, so you're like, okay, well, where do I get started with repaying down my debts? Well, there's kind of two ways to go about this, and I'm gonna call it the snowball method versus the logical method. So as I said, bad debt, high interest rate debt, like credit cards, you gotta pay that down as soon as possible. And there's two schools of thought here about how you should start. And I thought we should just discuss them and then we can have a chat about it because I know that's it's something that we find very illogical. So I'm gonna start with the mathematically logical method of debt repayment, okay? And this basically is, I mean, this just seems logical to me, but we'll talk about the illogical method in a minute, which is popular. So you write down all your debts with the amount that you owe and the interest rate next to them, okay? And then obviously you've got to pay off the minimum monthly repayment to avoid any additional penalties, etc. Once you've paid off that minimum amount, any excess money, you will start repaying the debt with the highest interest rate first, okay? So I've got this example on screen here. You've got a bank loan of £25,000 and the interest rate is 1.8%. You've got a credit card with £750 and the interest rate is 19%. And you've got your overdraft, which is £250 and the interest rate is 3%. So using the logical method, you would start, obviously, by paying down the credit card, which has a 19% interest rate. So that just seems logical to me. And that's how I've always done it. But there is another school of thought, which is actually really popular. And it's called the debt snowball method. And it's kind of pioneered by somebody called Dave Ramsey, who's a popular American finance commentator, podcaster, etc. And it's also published by supported by some published research, okay? So basically, instead of the logical way, you know, you, so, so you have, as, first of all, you pay down the minimum monthly repayment, okay, so just as before, so you don't get any additional penalties. But then, it's really much more different because in the snowball method, you start by repaying the smallest debt first, not the debt with the highest interest rate first. And the theory is, which is supported by research, is that you pay down the smallest amount of debt first and you get so much satisfaction from clearing that smallest debt first. Bear in mind, I'm not talking about the the worst interest rate, I'm talking about the smallest debt. You get so much satisfaction from clearing that debt that you continue to pay down your larger debts and you just start what's called rolling the debt snowball, which is basically starting small and eventually just roll it up and you get rid of it. I don't know what you think. Well, I know what you think because we talk about this all the time. This just makes no sense to me. But there is research. and I can see it in a way because if you pay down one debt and you're debt free, you know, the smallest debt. Because like using that example, so the bank loan, 25,000 pounds, you're not going to touch that. Their credit card is 750 pounds. It has the worst interest rate. So in the logical method, you would start there. But in the debt snowball method, you would actually start with your overdraft where it's only 250 pounds, the smallest debt, and the interest rate is only 3%. But because it's the smallest monetary amount, you'd pay off that and then you'd feel so great. You'd be like, cool, next one, credit card, boom, done.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I do get it. I know that's, you know, so I get it. You know, psychologically, you know, you've got four debts and you pay off the smallest one. So that's, you know, one debt down, you've got, you know, three to go. So I kind of get it. But realistically, yeah, I would always pay off the one with the highest interest rate first. That's how, that's the way I work. It also kind of is interesting because, you know, we, there are people out there that talk about, you know, if you've got like, say, say two projects to do, one is, you know, much harder than the other, which one do you do first? And a lot of people say, you know, tackle the hardest one first because then things get easier as you go forward. Whereas this is kind of taking that in reverse and saying actually do the easiest one, the smallest amount of debt one first because then you'll feel so much better about moving on to the harder things. But yeah, I, I can kind of understand what they're saying, but yeah, that's not the way I'd work.
0: Yeah, but- yeah, I agree. I think the key thing is, you just gotta get rid of that bad debt. And whichever way it works for you, that's great. Personally, when I was repaying down my massive debts, I'd choose my classically logical map. Well actually, I didn't really, because I actually repaid my mum first and that was a zero percent interest rate. But because it was to my mum, you know, that was the worst debt. So yeah, I guess it's complex. Other thing to say is occasionally we're contacted by doctors who've got into serious debt and you know that can happen to any of us, definitely. So If that is you, a couple of things, there is the System Advice Bureau. There is the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund who are actually coming on the podcast really soon to tell you a bit more about how they were supposed to be coming in the day after I did this, but I was kind of
1: asleep for 17 hours. So I had to cancel that podcast. I think mean, it's a good, good excuse, yeah, you know. Reasonable excuse. Yeah, that's it. We'll let you off that one. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, they're coming on soon. So, there's help out there if you're in serious debt because it's not good being in serious debt. And so, yeah, just reach out for help. One medical have found tips advice. What was that other one that we mentioned?
1: Yeah, so there's something called Christians Against Poverty, which, despite the name, you don't have to be religious to contact. Them. They'll help anyone that they can. So, yeah, so Christians Against Poverty, that's another good one out there. Awesome. Okay.
0: That is part one. That is a ton of stuff for you to work on. Okay. Next week, we are going to be talking about investing. We're going to be talking about how to look after your pension. Ed's going to be saying something about the marginal rate and tax. We're going to talk about family finances and we're going to talk about putting it all together. Okay. So that is going to be next week. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, hit that subscribe button. New episodes come out every Tuesday and you won't miss it. And Thank you so much for listening. If you are on the way to work as a healthcare professional right now, I just wanna say, as a patient, how much we appreciate what you do. You know, being a doctor or a nurse or any other healthcare professional is very tough at the moment, but from a patient who is incredibly grateful for what you do, thank you. And I know it can feel tough and like, you know, difficult at the moment, but patients really do appreciate what we do. I appreciate everybody that helped me and I can never thank them enough. So I hope that you have a good day wherever you are off to and we will see you next week for the second part of this mammoth episode.
1: Take care, guys.